Well, friends, we, we certainly find ourselves in the midst of a crisis, don't we? For me, it started around Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent. I told God, I said, I am going to give up soda. It has become very important and a regular part of my routine several times a day. I'm going to give it up for 40 days and spend that time focusing a little more on you. You know what God said? He said, okay, Tyler, but you're also going to be giving up restaurants. Hmm. Okay, God. And then he came back and he said, oh, and watching sports of any kind. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, then he said, and he can't go to church either. That's a joke. That's a, that's a, a pandemic Lent joke. And I am left with this expression that you see on my face today. A face that's clearly created for podcasts and not for video streaming. But again, we will have some material for our blooper reel. But all jokes aside, let me offer a reminder during this period of crisis. We must continue to honor God's commandments as a church. We must also be mindful of our spiritual needs, which include regular Bible study, prayer, worship, and fellowship with other Christians. For those who are listening to this message online, please monitor the b3.org website and Twitter posts for updates, because this will be changing. But Golden Beach Community Church will continue to operate in some way, even if the crisis continues to escalate. And like I said before, I personally promise that the sermons, the recall messages, devotions, prayers, Bible study, they'll continue to be available to anyone, even if we have to transition to a completely online service. And, and God is bigger and greater and far more powerful than the virus and the fear it has created, and that's God's promise. And I assure you that God is alive and well and in control, and that is also his promise. And I assure you the Golden Beach Community Church is also alive and well, and we may not be in control of the current crisis, but we can control how we respond to it, and that starts with things like this. And today we are responding by giving God our time of worship, and I thank you for choosing to be a part of it. So this week's message is titled, God Calls Dibs. So has anyone ever called dibs? Do you remember that expression? I don't hear it that often anymore. Stories to tell? You don't have to. Okay. Uh, but I recall my brother and I, we often competed for a few things like who got to ride in the front seat of the car. Shotgun. Shotgun, yeah, yeah. Perhaps you, you called dibs when there was just one piece of pie left. Perhaps you still do. Perhaps it was something else. But what was powerful about that word dibs, it meant that even though someone else may have wanted whatever it was, you were going to get it simply because you said so. Right? You use that word that was unbreakable by any other means. It's almost like a double dog dare. You know, you just, you just don't cross that. I call dibs. That's the way it is. And if my brother and I were in a dead run for my mom's car and one of us was clearly in the lead, but the other one called dibs, the spoils went to the loser, right? It seems so bizarre now that that had so much power. But God uses this mysterious power to call dibs on us. He loves us so much that when life struggles start to bring us down, he says, stay strong, you've got this. When we start doubting ourselves, he says, you are perfectly designed and created by me. When we start wandering, wandering off the path, he says, I've made a way for you to find your way back. When we feel that the temptations are just too much, he says, I'll help you get out of this. And when the devil himself takes aims at your life, God says, oh no, you don't. This child is mine. In 1 John 3, 1, the writer exclaims this truth. He says, see what great love the father has lavished. And lavish means it's more than given. 
It means poured or heaped or smothered. I mean, this is, it's lavished. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Or as it's described in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Again, can you see what great love the Father has lavished on you? This morning, I want to share the scripture, what the scripture says in response to three questions on the topic. Prove it. You know, prove that I'm your special possession. What does it mean that I'm your special possession? And how should I respond to you calling dibs? So to prove it, we look at Isaiah 43.1. says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed Israel, he says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And all the way back in one of the first chapters of the Old Testament, we find these words in Deuteronomy 7, 6-8. For you are a, a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. You were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You see, God keeps his promises. We know that. This was a promise that he made generations earlier, and he was still honoring it. And he still honors that promise, that oath today. So let me paraphrase that verse. He says, you, my children, you are a holy people to me. I have chosen you to be my people, my treasured possession. He's saying that to each one of you. But what do you think about that word possession? You know, to be honest, if someone were to say that I was their possession, I'd probably push back a little bit. But we know that as God's children, we are his treasured possession. And this means that in the face of adversity, temptation, or even when the devil himself tries to get a hold of us, God says, no way. This one, this person, this child is mine. Mine to love, mine to care for, and mine to bless. Friends, it is good to be God's treasured possession because he did something amazing for us all. John 3, 16, 17, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on. I never want to forget 17. We stop so often at verse 16, but 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. That's the other part of that promise. And it is the Apostle Paul who answers our question about proving this when he said, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that John 3, 16, 17, it happened so long ago. But you know that promise still covers you today? That sacrifice is for you today, and it's, it's in consideration of what you are going to do, even what you're going to do after today. Those mistakes we make, the stumbles that we make, the, 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 the struggles we have, he already did this knowing we would do all that. That is love. That's how God proves, one of the ways God proves that we are his special possession, his treasured possession, his child 
In his letter to Ephesians, Paul wrote this. Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Adopted. We're the adopted child. Not only were we just born into it, he specifically chose you and said, I want you to be a part of my family. And he did this in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. So let me ask, do you believe God has claimed you as his own? If not, I want to hear from you. Because let's talk about it, because this is so important to living a life of peace and courage and blessing. God doesn't want you to miss out on all of what he has promised you, and I certainly don't want you to either. So don't stay silent. If you can't answer that with a confident yes, and believe me, you should be able to, but if you can't, pause, and let's get our feet under us and rely on the truth. What does it mean to be God's treasured possession? Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, that's his motivation, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Right? It's not if we did it right. Right? He loves us regardless. And it says it is by grace you have been saved. Right? Grace. And God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And as a result of this, we may share the words of Galatians 2.20 that say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it means to be his possession. You are adopted into a life where Christ is a part of you. And what he went through, he went through for us. And now we are with him in spirit, raised up with Christ, seated with God in heaven with Christ. A promise of an eternity in heaven because of Christ. But what about the times when God seems distant? And maybe that right now is for you. I remember talking to someone in our own congregation who came up after church one day and said, I have been praying like crazy. And I know I shared this week or two ago, but he said, I've been praying like crazy. And I think I've been praying for the right things. And of course, that's not for me to judge, but from what he shared, sure seemed like genuine, heartfelt prayers. And he said, but I just not hearing God answer. Is it because of us? You know, if God's distant, is it because we're not taking our cross daily or we're not extending faith and God's waiting on us? I don't think that was the case in this gentleman's situation. But when God seems distant, first we stop and we check ourselves. Is God distant? If God hasn't moved and he's still there, got his hand reached out to us, are we, have we kind of wandered off or turned a little bit away from him? And if not, if not, then that's really good news because it means God is preparing that good, deep work. And I know from my own life, and I know from a lot of people's lives, that when after a period of silence, a wilderness period in your life, something amazing happens. It couldn't have happened if those pieces hadn't moved right around in the right timing and the right order. I mean, every good thing in my life right now, from my children to my marriage to this, to my job to this church, 
all a result of a wilderness season. It wasn't that long ago. I said, I'm never setting foot in a church again. You people are awful. No, not you people. Those people. Um, <laughs> you know, and God said, nope, nope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you down the lake for a weekend with your friends. Oh, and by the way, you're going to go to church one Sunday and fall in love with the church. I fall in love with Sherry later. Um, but that's how he works. So if God seems distant and you're not out of alignment with his will, then he's probably moving some big pieces and that's exciting stuff. Okay? Isaiah 49, 14 through 15. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And what's the response that he got? Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she was born? Of course not. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. You see, belonging to God means that you will not be abandoned or forgotten. How about Romans 8.1? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we use that verse a lot. That's from that, the Romans road when we talked about it uh, a couple months ago in our service. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Belonging to God means that you will not be condemned. If you repent, you will be forgiven. If, then. If you repent, then you'll be forgiven. The if is always on our side. God's promises are true no matter what. And that is God's promise to his children, which we just realize we are. Zephaniah 3.17. We don't quote a lot of Zephaniah. But it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. You see, belonging to God means that he delights in you. And when he is pleased with the choices you're making and the steps you're making and the, and the faith you're extending, he will rejoice over you. He will literally celebrate you. So let me ask you this. Do you believe in the, these promises made to you? Again, if not, I want to hear from you. Let's talk about it because, again, this is so important to living a life of peace and courage and blessing. God doesn't want you to miss out on all of what he has promised for you. And last, how do we respond to being God's? What are we supposed to do? You know, we talk about this often. You've got to put your faith into action. You can't just be hearers of the word. You've got to be doers. So, so the question is, what do we do now that we know we are God's possession and what that means. So we go all the way back to Exodus. And it says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my, or keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession. So responding as God's child, you should obey your father. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But, but how are we doing with this? Are you keeping in line with the Ten Commandments? Some of them are pretty easy. Haven't killed anybody yet. But some of them are a little harder, aren't they? Loving everyone, right? Not coveting, not wanting something that someone else has. Some of these are a little, a little harder. What about not having fear or anxiety because you're trusting in God fully? You know, God says to do that. And he gives us good reason, but he still says, just do it. So we need to obey him fully and keep his covenant, which means relying on him and trusting him, especially in times like this. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, which we are, holy and dearly loved, he says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So as responding as God's child, you should show compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, doesn't this list sound a lot like the fruits of the Spirit? 
And if it does, then we probably have to include that last one that we always dread, right? What is it? Self-control. Remember that list of all these things that aren't so hard, not so bad, and then it goes, and self-control. You're like, ah, you got me at self-control. Almost. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> I was intrigued by the word clothe in this scripture. It says, clothe yourself with compassion. You know, and I thought about that. Like, you know, sometimes clothing is protecting. Sometimes it's comforting. Sometimes it's warming. But sometimes it's also your outward appearance, isn't it? You look at someone and what do you see? You see their clothes, right? So we say, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So surround yourself with it. Protect yourself with it. Warm yourself with it. And let it be obvious to everybody around you, all these things. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? And it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So responding as God's child, you should do good works. And not just good works as you define them, but the good works that he has prepared for you to do. So what is your calling? What are your gifts? If you don't know, ask God. God, reveal to me what I should be doing. It doesn't have to be the most, I don't know, you know, this extravagant thing. God loves the simple gifts, the gentle smile, the, the consoling words, the, the, the sharing of, of testimony, the sharing of money, um, all these things. God has given you some calling, some gifts that you have. He's just saying, use those, because I prepared something good for you that involves that, okay? So every minute you delay on pursuing these things is a minute you're forgoing some of the blessings he's got in store for you. But John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So responding as God's child, you are an extension of Christ in this world. Matthew 6, 27 talks about serving two masters. And it talks about you'll either love one and, and hate the other. And it talks about you can't serve both God and money. And, and it goes on to this thing about worry. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now that's important right now, isn't it? There's that worry thing again. Responding as God child means that you are trusting and relying on him for everything and in every situation. And that's easier when life's fantastic. It's a little tougher now. The last verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So responding as God's child means that you are not, that you are telling him that you are surrendering to him that which was already his to control. He already knew he had it. He needs you. Actually, you need you to say you've got it. In response to this act of faith, God will make your path straight in whatever sense that means for your current struggle. You know, when you're far off God's path, he can't always go to some of those dark, evil places. He is too good and too pure, but he will always make the path back to him. And sometimes making the path straight means I'm going to make the struggle just a little bit easier. 
And sometimes making that path straight means I'm going to make that path that gets you back in alignment. So he says, trust in the Lord and not, don't lean on your own understanding. God, why? I want to know why. It may not be yours to understand why. That's tough. But it says, in all your ways, submit to him. God, I give this to you. And he will make that path straight. So are you having trouble understanding how or why you should respond in these ways to God's promise of love and protection? Is your fear or anxiety holding you back from a life of peace and courage and blessing? Please don't remain silent. I want to hear from you. One of God's purposes for the church is to provide the support and, and guidance for people is, with encouragement. That we need to be encouraged towards truth and that what his word delivers. Okay? We're not about look at us. We're about look at him. So let us help turn you to him and connect you with the answers that you're seeking. And at this church, we work very hard to support the community that we live in. But our commitment to our calling does not end at a certain radius around this building. If you are struggling with understanding or accepting that you are God's treasured possession, that God has called dibs over your life, and, and that means that he and only he is in control, then talk to someone. Talk to someone. And just let me conclude with this. For those of you who have made it here this morning, to all of you who are joining us online, thank you for your continued loyalty to God's work. And we're glad to be a part of that as a part of this church. And I know that it's important for all of us to remain connected to God and to each other, especially during this time. So my prayer for all of us, my blessing that I ask for God, is that we stay courageous. We keep the faith and we are well. So let's pray. Father God, although this message may be timely for the current health crisis, it applies every day of our lives. Lord, you have called us out. You have said that person is mine. They belong to me. I have adopted them. They are my child. Struggles, fear, anxiety, devil, negative self-talk. No, this child is mine. Enough said, right? But God, as we are facing this period that just inherently creates fear and anxiety within us as humans, God, we ask for a special blessing of peace as we do our part to stay healthy and to keep others healthy. But Lord, let us not forgo the importance of seeking you to keep ourselves spiritually healthy as well. Lord, there are so many things that are tied together with health. There's our physical health and our emotional and mental health, but also our spiritual health. God, take these things and bind them together. And as Wes said, with love, let us love ourselves, let us love one another, and let us love you and let us feel the love that is given by you. Lord, as this period of time, as we may be called to stretch our faith, as we may be called to stretch our commitments, as we may be called to stretch our patience and courage, Lord, we know that if we do this faithfully, then you will provide the blessings and promises that you have given us generations ago. And we look forward to that and the testimony we can deliver on the backside of this crisis. Lord, as always, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the congregation. I, Lord, I thank you for all those in the past, those here today, and those in the future that will support it. God, I thank you for the beautiful building, the warmth and safety provides your beautiful surroundings here. 
Lord, I thank you for the empty places and the pews. And this week in particular, where there's so few of us here that have a need to preserve our, our safety and our health, that they remind us of the overwhelming need for people to connect with you. So, Lord, this week, let us clothe ourselves in those things that you say are important, that reflect the life of Christ. Let us clothe for our own health, for our own protection, for our own warmth, but also for others to see and say, I want that for me. And let us not miss one single opportunity to share that clothing with them. Lord, I lift this service up to you. I ask your blessing over everybody who hears it. Lord, may all we do continue to be a blessing and pleasing to you. Amen.